1: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
0: It, shoot it, shoot it. The
2: Welcome to City Game, your Brooklyn Nets podcast on WFAN and radio.com. Here's your host, Steve Lichtenstein. And hello again, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the City Game Podcast, the regular season resumption preview show for Brooklyn Nets fans. I'm Steve Lichtenstein of WFAN.com, and folks, starting on Friday, it gets real again. Nets will take on the Orlando Magic in the first of eight games to conclude the regular season that was suspended due to the COVID-19 pandemic. I'll do my best to break down what to look for and I'll have help from today's special guest, the absolutely fantastic radio play-by-play voice of the Brooklyn Nets, Chris Carino. After that, I'll be reprising my favorite segment. That's the listener mailbag where I answer questions you sent me on Twitter. So sit back and relax should be a good show. And folks, I just want to say usually at this point I give you my spiel about subscribing and yada yada, but I saw that there's an issue with Apple Podcasts that the station is looking into, so please bear with us. I know we're still on Radio.com and Stitcher, among others, so hope that's helpful. Anyway, you know, thanks for your support. But with that, let's get to it. Nets Magic, Friday afternoon. Huge game, right? Brooklyn's got that half-game lead on Orlando for the seventh seed. They play each other once more later on, and these games will decide who avoids Milwaukee in the first round, or worse, a potential play-in round with ninth place Washington. Folks, I have only one wish for the Nets in August. Can they please get out of town healthy? I'm going to trust that general manager Sean Marks did the best he could with the roster given the decimation from injuries and the virus, but it clearly isn't good enough. I didn't really take anything from the Nets' three scrimmages, but I could tell that they aren't good enough to win any more than a game here and there, if that. I mean, let's start with the obvious, the size disparities they'll be facing. Well, the Magic is getting back Jonathan Isaac so they could reunite their towering front line with him, Aaron Gordon and Nikola Vucevic, the Nets think it's a good idea to start Timothy Luwawu cabreau at the four. Let me say that again. The Nets actually believe Timothy Lawawu-Cabreau is a starter in the NBA at the four. That's really all you need to know about the Nets' chances in the bubble. I get why they're doing it. They need Rodion's Carouts to play backup center because Jared Allen can't log 48 minutes every night. And what are the other options? Lance Thomas looked like he hasn't played all year, and he hasn't. And Donta Hall, who didn't suit up for any of the scrimmages, was a G League rookie this season. So that's how you talk yourself into TLC at the four. Never mind that this guy isn't any good. I'll ignore his shooting numbers in the scrimmage because, you know, they're scrimmages. But, you know, the fact remains that opponents can leave him wide open. You know, especially above the break where he shot 32.8% this season, according to NBA.com. How's that stretching any defense? And his own defense? I'll be shocked any time he gets through his first quarter minutes without picking up two fouls. You know he's the proverbial activity without achievement guy. Thanks, Tim Capstraw. Yeah, he tries, but how's he gonna stop any of the beasts he'll be facing? The one scrimmage the Nets won, the Spurs opted to match up by going similarly small. You know, with skinny DeMar DeRozan at the four. Folks, here's the list of the power forwards and that's a slate of the Nets are slated to face. And for this, I'm not even going to include Jonathan Isaac because the Magic just might want to ramp up his minutes by having him come off the bench. But here goes. Aaron Gordon, Rui Hachimura, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Jalen Brown, Nemanja Belita, Marcus Morris, Gordon, and Yusef Nurkic. Yikes. They're all ridiculous mismatches. Size, skills, both really. Again, the ideal Nets lineup would have Karutz at the four. And trust me, that isn't a world beater either. But it doesn't seem like Jacques Vaughn wants to go in that direction at the onset. Mark's left his coach with very little flexibility. What's he going to do until Hall earns his trust? Play Thomas or Justin Anderson at backup center? Again, toss out the shooting stats from the scrimmages. If I'm not going to kill TLC for all his bricks, then I'm not going to go gaga over Rhodey's hot streak. Let's see how he does when the game gets a little faster. He better stay hot, because he's not what you call a defensive fulcrum. He even talked about all the new communicating he needs to master to play the position just decently. And we know rebounding will be a huge issue when he's in there. But the larger point is that somehow, TLC has earned all this street cred with Nets management and the coaching staff. And for what? I really don't get it. My bubble rotation would have Chris Chiozza, Karis LeVert, Joe Harris... Rody and Allen starting. Garrett Temple, Tyler Johnson, Jamal Crawford, and Lance Thomas off the bench. TLC would be a tenth guy, and his continued existence on the court would depend on how he's faring offensively that particular game. And hopefully, Hall shows Vaughn that he can play a little at this level, and then you won't even need TLC. Okay, that's enough negatives for now. You know, Before I get to my special guest, Chris Carino... I just want to say a few words about how shocked I am that this bubble concept has been working. And before I jinx it, I should emphasize, so far. Look, I've been among the most skeptical about the return of sports in the midst of a pandemic, but you know, give credit to the NBA and its relationship with the players here. There have been no serious leaks, the testing protocols have been followed, and there have been no reports of problems created by interacting with hotel staff who live in a heavily infected community. I still think inviting 22 teams was too risky. I mean, who knows what will happen when a team is basically out of the playoff picture and the players are itching to leave. Still, we have basketball games to watch this week, and that's something I'm going to cheer. I read a very thought-provoking Twitter thread from the columnist Mike Wise, who wants it reinforced that, you know, while wealthy athletes get to play games in protected environments, thousands just outside their comfortable zones are either suffering or in fear from the deadly outbreak in their state personally i don't think these games overshadow what's important and remember we've always used sports as temporary escapes and that didn't alter people's reality one iota either so all i can say is enjoy the games while you can and among the people who will be describing the action is my special guest this week he's the longtime radio voice of the nets on wfan and the nets radio network He's my friend, Chris Carino, and here's my interview with Chris. Okay, folks, I'm so honored to have on the line the great play-by-play voice for WFAN and the Nets Radio Network, Mr. Chris Carino. Chris, thank you so much for giving me some time today to talk bubble basketball. How have you been?
0: I've been great, Steve. I miss seeing you in the press room, but other than that, it's been been all right.
2: Now, is this your 19th or 20th season on the Airways? I feel... That there should well, be more fanfare if this was twenty.
0: Well, no, it's only because this is still the same. This is still the nineteen twenty season, correct? Right. This is still the yeah. So it's my nineteenth. All right, next season. year
2: we got to go yeah. just like we did for Iron. We got
0: to. Get- uh, yeah, I don't need. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay. I mean, Iron right. was twenty five years, right?
2: Yes. You
0: no, know, technically, if you want to go back to.
2: Yeah, you uh, started earlier, but the radio announced – Yeah.
0: I was, I was pr- the producer in the studio in 1992. So yeah. I have actually been a part of, um, you know, with the exception of a handful of times when I, I missed to do a football game or something, I've been involved in every Nets radio broadcast. Um, again, with the exception of, of a game here or there when I do TV or do football uh, since 1992. So that's like 28 years, right? It's crazy. I didn't think I was that old. <laughs>
2: My goodness. Well, I, I, I really appreciate this. So, I mean, you're, what's your broadcasting plans going forward? I mean, are you and Tim going to be joining the Yes Crew at Barclays Center? Tim yeah, we Astros? are uh,
0: We are going to be at Barclays. We, um, we tested out our setup during one of the scrimmages recently, and uh, we're going to be in our normal spot, right in our table uh, at the top of Section 9. And we're going to watch the game on... The Jumbotron, amazingly. (laughs) so That's
2: that's pretty cool. Yeah. uh, About the Nets restart, Chris, uh, I'm going to ask you uh, a couple of questions. And first off, uh, exclude some of the guys we've already seen play a ton, like Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, Joe Harris, probably include Garrett Temple too. But out of the rest of the guys, which player are you most intrigued about watching in terms of, you know, maybe seeing if the Nets have something going forward?
0: I, I mean i'm I'm intrigued to see Jamal Crawford um, just because I think we're all we all should be intrigued when we're watching Jamal Crawford. He is a he is just a, a, an incredibly entertaining player to watch. Um, but as far as looking ahead, how do I see him down the road, the future I, I don't know i don't I don't know if that's a possibility or that's realistic or if that's really what the spirit of your question is, I think probably um, a guy that I'm, I'm incredibly curious to see because I think we, the Nets thought they had something and then it disappeared this year and they got to see if they can get it back is, is Rody Rhodey on I don't know if you included him and in, in who I'm supposed yes. to exclude. Yeah. There. I was
2: going to bring him up next because you probably know I'm a, I've been a, Rody booster going back to last year and yeah I, I mean i used to tell tell ask kenny all the time about him you know getting used more but well you-
0: and i don't i don't think it was i think in the in the times we saw him this year um he was not the same player that we had seen you know Rody his game depends a lot on his confidence his swagger he always had this sort of nothing is too big for me. I don't care what you think of me kind of air about him in his first year. And then last year or, or this year, earlier in the year, when he was in the game, he just really seemed to lack confidence. He was indecisive. Um, he just didn't, he didn't move around the floor the same way. And I think, you know, there's, there's been great reports from Orlando, you know, watching the scrimmages. He looks like he's much more confident um, so I, I think if they can get him – you know, if Rody can get his swagger back and become that type of player who's who's a threat from three, who's a – you know, he's a great cutter. Could he be a bit of a rim protector? Can he be a defensive player who can switch all on all different defen- – on all different ball handlers and offensive players? I mean, he could really be a valuable player. I don't – so I don't know. That's going to be – that's – to me that's a real curiosity factor because i could have gave you another and the other name i thought of was you know chris chioza yeah, i was right? going
2: to get to him next
0: yeah i the yeah, thing I, is i don't i don't know where he i i like chris and i think he's a terrific um instinctive point guard great passing skills um, i trust him when he's in the game uh, i have no qualms about chris chioza being the point guard right now the 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 problem is where does he fit when you have Dinwiddie back? You have Kyrie Irving back. You've got Levert. Like, where are you playing, Chris? You know, how are you playing, Chris Chioza? So, um, I I i I'm, I think those are the two guys probably that I'm that I'm most intrigued and, and most curious to see. Um, you know, I, I again I think I know what Chris Chioza is and I like him. I I unless you unless somehow you're moving Dinwiddie. Um, does he have a place on a healthy net roster?
2: Yeah. Well, going back to Rhodey just for a second, because I, I did yeah. want to ask you, you know, he maybe his off-court legal trouble had an impact on his, you know, early confidence. And uh, you were right. He, he was hesitant, indecisive. But now he's playing out of position. And, you know, I worry that, you know, when the games start to count, does that, you know, get in his head a little bit, because he talked at one point about, you know, having to learn a whole new set of communication skills being the defensive fulcrum. So what, what are the reasonable expectations for him that he's learning a new position on the fly?
0: You know, if he can, if he can, if he can pick it up and it allows him to get more playing time, uh, then I think it'll, it'll benefit him. Um, He's still going to be able to go back next season and go through a training camp or whatever it may be and go back to what is considered his natural position, which I guess would be power forward. Um, You know, you, you do have Durant coming in. Hopefully everything goes according to scheme next year. You know, I, is he a three, is he a four? I mean, listen, we're, we're in the, we're in the days of positionless basketball. Um, The only kind of positions you really need though you still have to have a primary ball handler and, 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 and a, and a center and uh, the center though could be smaller. It could be a stretch guy like that. I think a lot of it to, to me, when I look at it, a lot of it is, can you guard your position? So that the adjustment for me with roadie is going to be, can he guard fives? Can he guard pick and roll uh, as a big, um, you know, offensively, I still think they're not going to, when Rhodey's in there, he's not going to play like Jared Allen. You know, he's not going to, he's not going to be a post-up guy, not that Jared's a post-up guy, but he's not going to be your traditional center.
2: Right. He's not a rim runner.
0: No, he's going to be, he's going to be popping out on the wing. He's going to be cutting, which he always was really good at. Um, Maybe he'll play some pick and roll and and be able to get the ball going to the basket. So I just think Rhodey's a, you know he's going to have to learn how to play all these different positions. I mean he's not he's not good enough probably to just say all right he's going to be your your star small forward or your star power forward. He's going to have to be he's going to be able he's going to have to be versatile. He's going to have to be a bit of a Swiss Army knife. You know I think I think Jean and Moose is in the same boat. Like I think they they're going to have to be show some some real versatility and that they can pop in and play at every position from ball handler to rim protector um because that's going to be their role on the team going forward if they if they want to have a role
2: interesting uh yeah you mentioned uh, I want to move on to Chioza you 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 uh, read my mind and got into him earlier first but uh what what I noticed when during the scrimmages is that I think I don't know if this was intentional. I think Jacques Vaughn just wanted him to be more of a combo guard in the scrimmage just to see what he could do. Cuz I think Chioza worked best when you know he was more off the ball. He brought the ball up, but really everything ran through Karis Levert. And yeah. then Chioza moved off to a wing and Karis is you know pretty unselfish and he you know Chioza might get it back and then create something out of that or make a shot. You yeah, think- I you think that we'll see we'll see more of that when the games count?
0: Well, I think they're good when Lavert's got the ball in his hands. So you're going to want that um, to happen. And if Chiosa can make, sure I mean, late in the season, Chiosa showed an ability to make threes too. I mean, I mean, he showed an ability to, you know, like you said, play off the ball, receive that pass, knock down a three. Um, I think if 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 I could extrapolate uh, a a comp that I think is probably an obvious one that I'm sure people have made before of what he can be, it would be like a Fred Van Vliet kind of player. You know, um, and, and I and I can see him being that. So I do think that Chioza has a place in the league. Like I, I think he's going to be a really solid player. And I would love to have him as a second unit point guard. Um, is it a luxury the Nets can have going forward is my question. but maybe he, you turn him in, maybe you turned him into an asset that you can move. I don't, I don't know but or if you move somebody else that's currently on the roster, like I said, you know a dinwoody kind of thing if he if you down the road move him and now you know you have Chioza can come in and be that guy as a combo guard, you know all really all guards now are combo guards. I mean, he's a combo guard. You know, Kyrie Irving is a combo guard. I mean, they all play that one-two. They can handle the ball. They can play off the ball. Sometimes they're good with it in their hands. You know, Levert can be considered that player too. So, you know, the way the league is, I think Chioza, on, on the surface, people may think he was more of an a old-school, traditional point guard, ball handler, facilitator. But as you mentioned, he has the ability to play off the ball as well. So you have to be able to do that. The the other thing I I always marvel with a guy like Chioza, and and I've talked about this with players of his size. There aren't many of them in the NBA. So to make it the way he has, to make it the way a Van Vliet has, um, any player that's under six feet tall, to – to really uh, to have some of the results they've had in the NBA, you have to have a, a, that something extra. You have to have that something. Um, well, he showed his toughness when he was uh, trying yeah, to guard you, Rudy
2: Gobert. You know, that you, was, yeah, that you, was a you little have, comical, but he, you know, he, he didn't back down.
0: But there has to be a special quality about you to get to that level. So that's when I, I don't discount that. When I see a guy like Shioza, he can play in this league. And then my point being, he has that something extra. He has that something exciting about him. Um, so, so that's where I, I would, you know, you never want to just throw that away.
2: Interesting. Well, not only are players like Karutz and Shioza going to be evaluated, you know, for next season, you know, so is their coach, Jacques Vaughn. Yeah. And, I know you got to know Kenny Atkinson pretty well over the years and, you know, while Vaughn only coached two games, but what can you tell us about the differences between them? You know, personalities, priorities, strategies, you know, besides starting John DeAndre Jordan over Allen.
0: Well, I mean, personality wise, um, they, they, they worked together for a while there and, and they were, um, you know, Jacques was vital for Kenny. Kenny was, was great for, for Jacques. And, you know, I know Jacques going back to his days as the backup point guard to Jason Kidd. He um, was
2: not my favorite, Chris.
0: <laughs> well, but I mean, I'm just saying I know him from those teams. I, I, You know, I, I've i known Jacques since that time. I always thought Jacques would make a, a coach one day. Um, you know, I got a chance to, to, to talk to Jacques a bit when he was head coach in Orlando. Um, and when I see him now, I just – he – he's a little more controlled than Kenny. And, you know, Jacques has a coolness about him. Um, Kenny was a little more manic. Uh, Kenny is just an absolute bundle of energy. Um, Jacques is a guy that does everything with a purpose. You know, when, when I, when I always joke with Jacques, whenever I see him walking down the hall, I'm like, you always look, your like, you are you are on to something important. Like he's never, Jacques doesn't stroll. Jacques moves down the hall with a purpose, but he's cool and he's under control at all times. And when you saw that last game they played before the lake, uh, before the, 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 the delay here, the game in Los Angeles, um, they came out, I believe it was the start of the second half. And, They they gave up a couple of easy baskets. You could tell Jacques was not happy. He called a very quick timeout and didn't even let him sit down. Didn't go to his assistant coaches. He just brought them in around him. And he didn't scream and yell. And I remember Kevin Durant was standing right next to him in the huddle. And Jacques was just controlled, but you know he lit into them. Like he was speaking with a purpose. He was speaking forcefully. I couldn't hear what he was saying, but you could tell his demeanor at that moment. And Tim and I had that conversation on the air. We saw it happen and we discussed it when we came back from the commercial. That, you know, we just, we, we loved that, would he, th- that moment. We just, we just liked the way he handled it. And if you remember, the Nets go out and, and responded from it and, and, and won that game in Los Angeles. So, uh, I, I just think that they are they are very similar in in the way they approach the game, but I think there's also you know Kenny had his uh, his his finer points and his strengths, and I still think Kenny Atkinson is going to be a really good coach with another team someday, um, whether that be this this coming season coming up or or beyond that. Um, but I think Jacques has potential to be a good coach too, and and I wouldn't discount. Uh, Jacques Vaughn from having an, an opportunity to be the next coach full time.
2: Interesting. I'm talking with the immensely talented golden voice of the Nets, Chris Carino. Uh, I just have a couple more from you, if you don't mind. Uh, I'm not going to ask you for a prediction because to me, it's just too obvious given, you know, all the, the decimation that's happened to the roster. However, you know, what is a, what is a best case scenario look like, you know, besides everyone going home healthy? I mean, if everything goes right, Levert goes nuts, Allen holds his own in the middle, you know, the team shoots reasonably well, the Nets will what? Will, will they win it? Could they win a, a round? Could they win a series? Could they win a game in a, in a first round series?
0: Why not? If you get to the seventh seed and, and you can play Toronto and, and, um, you know, who I, there, there's so, there's so many variables right now. I don't, I'm taking the, the COVID stuff out of that. I think, I think as we record this on Wednesday, again, the league put out a statement that no one has tested positive. So you would hope that can continue if everybody doesn't break the bubble. Um, but how are teams going to be when they come back? You know, I mean, teams that had good chemistry and were on a roll. I mean, it did the, is the break going to disrupt that? Um, teams that, you know, a team like Toronto that was sort of playing above what we expected. Um, are they going to continue that momentum? Uh, are are players that have had four months off going to jump in Are we going to see a bunch of hamstring injuries or I, I don't, you know, there's, there's so many variables right now that you would say, all right, well, could this Nets group, if they could just hang on to the seventh seed, um, and play Toronto and maybe give them a series and maybe win that series. I'm not saying they're going to go beat Boston or Philadelphia um, or or Milwaukee, but you know, look at a team like Indiana that just lost Sabonis, like, and and you don't know if depot is going to play. Like, there there's there's so much up in the air, but I think holding on to the seven seed is going to be the immediate goal. Having avoiding that play in. And then take your shot against a, a a a team like Toronto in the first round. I don't I don't know the way they are now if they could beat Milwaukee. You know I just I don't I don't see them beating them four out of seven. So if they have to get if they drop to eight, you got to play the maybe you have to play the playing game. Although I don't, Washington doesn't have much of a squad either. Right and. I don't and think they want to be there. <laughs> they'd have to be within four games of the eighth spot. So um yeah, I think I think best case scenario right now is is, is hold on to seven and, and take a shot. You know, take a shot at, at beating a, a Toronto. I don't think that's I don't think that's um out of your your out of the you're realm of wildest possi- right
2: now, out of the realm of possibilities, I don't know. I, I, I'm always more of a downer, but I appreciate what you do, you're saying.
0: You do tend to dwell on the you do tend to shade toward the glass being half empty, Steve. <laughs> yes, you're, Capper and I are always trying to get you to shade toward the glass is half full,
2: <laughs> and so I appreciate with,
0: it. Maybe with the new the new dawn of the day here that maybe you'll approach it from a more glasses half full.
2: (laughs) I'll work on that over the summer. Anyway, I got a couple more items for you before I say goodbye. First, I I want it on the record that I was the first to notice the uncanny similarities between your voice and that of yes, announcer Ryan Rucco. Now I know you didn't overlap with each other, but you both grew out of the great Fordham university broadcasting program And we've talked before about the impact the great Marty Glickman had on you. And it just seems, I think Ryan, you know, he told me he didn't ever get to meet him, but I think Glickman's influence is felt on him somehow. Is you think it's a coincidence that the two of you have similar cadences or do you even notice?
0: Yeah, I think, well, uh, here, here's the thing. I think the, the similarity is the reason people, I think, confuse us at times when they turn on a yes broadcast and I'm happy to be doing it, it's because they don't expect me. I I,
2: I noticed it because you did you did radio for a Yankee game. And I'm like, what is Ryan Rucco doing Yankee radio for?
0: Yeah, I I think, but I think that's the the thing is I've stepped into a few of these situations where you, where you might assume it's Ryan because he's normally doing the games on. Yes. Or he's normally doing stuff at Yankee stadium. So suddenly I come into there and people go, Oh, wow. Wait, is that Ryan? I would think that's Ryan because it's not Michael Kay. And I would think that's Ryan because it's not Ian Eagle, but it's me. So, um, so there I understand that if, if it was something that um, you had no expectation of him being there, maybe it wouldn't be um, confused as much, but I, and I think it's more of the tone than, than the influence. But that being said, y- you know, I'm a disciple of Marty Glickman And then I would go back and talk to the kids at Fordham. So I sort of, I I sort of keep the Glickman way alive. And I know if you've ever spoken to Ryan, he said this to me and he said it on, you know, different uh, interviews that, you know, he learned court geography from me going in there and speaking to the group at FUV and he never, he never envisioned court geography in an NBA game the way it was until I kind of laid it out there. So I would try and, continue the Glickman way to the younger generation at Fordham and
2: yeah, Glickman you know. defined it from what I was told, you know, he, it was, you know, it was Marty Glickman who came up with the lane and the and the, key. And the elbow and the key. Right.
0: Yeah. Swish. Yeah. yeah. No, Marty, Marty kind of invented basketball on the radio. So um, yeah, no, if there's a, if there is a lineage that I help keep alive and and then guys start to sound, I just think, I think, I think Ryan and I, when we, when we deliver a big call um, or where, where where it's a a basket or something like there's a, there's a, there's a tone of our voice that's similar. So, well, more, more, many people have been fooled. (laughs) I always joke with them because I'll say, well, I'll do a game on yes. I'll do about, you know, four or five games on yes during the year. And um, we'll joke. I'll say, well, how long before somebody tweets at Ryan about something that he said on the air
2: right
0: and they'll be like oh Ryan what a great call and then he'll have to say no I'm sorry that was that was Chris so we I like do a, remember
2: that cuz it, it happens both every, of you on twitter and I've I've seen that it
0: happens every game every <laughs> game that I do
2: well uh, we're grateful that you and that the uh, Nets have the greatest broadcasting crew ever between you, I, and Ryan, Tim, Sarah, you know, Michael Grady, greatest people. So, the last thing I want to do Thanks. is because you do such a important work off the court with your FAS, FSHD foundation. And I know the pandemic caused you to cancel this year's gala. So, if you have a minute, you want to plug. Any other events and other ways Nets fans can donate? The floor is yours.
0: Yeah, thank you. I mean, we we we've been uh, this was going to be our tenth annual gala uh, this year. It was July twenty third, and obviously with everything going on, we weren't able to do it. Uh, we are working on uh, a virtual event with my friend Scott Cullither at Invent, who uh, has, has worked on a platform um, that we can use October twenty second. It'll be right after the, the NBA season. You know, the finals will be over by then. The, uh, the draft will be over by then. And then we're going to have, so we're going to have a virtual event on the 22nd. We're still working on some details for that. But uh, if anyone would love to learn more about it, and you know, I, I deal with FSHD, which is a type of muscular dystrophy. Um, and if, if anyone would like to learn more about it, and, and again, we raise money, all of it goes to research, um, even, even now we, we were able to have all our, uh, um, conferences that we do with researchers we have been able to do that virtually and, and have been working a lot on that during the time off. So there are a lot of very promising things, but again, like all charities, they, they're suffering at this time. And, you know, our, our, our mission remains steadfast try and find a cure for FSHD. So if anyone would like to learn more or donate, go to chriscarinofoundation.org. Again, chriscarinofoundation.org.
2: Excellent. And Chris, uh, thank you so much. This is Chris Carino, the voice of the Brooklyn Nets on WFN and the Nets Radio Network. Uh, I, I hope you stay safe and we can, again, resume our chats at the Barclays Center Media Dinner Table. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
0: All right, Steve. Enjoy, Steve. Thank you. Stay
2: safe. I look forward to uh, listening to you and Tim. and
0: hearing. Yeah, we got a lot of day games. Tim is good in the day, in the (laughs) daytime too. So um, he's getting his wish, you know, first game, 2.30 in the afternoon on a Friday. He'll be on the fan.
2: (laughs) He he won't be late. There won't be much traffic.
0: Although it's like, it's like, it's prime nap time for him. So (laughs) um, we'll have to see how he handles that.
2: All right. Take care, Chris. I'll
0: see you soon, Hope. All right. Thanks, Steve.
2: Bye. Again, that was Nets radio play-by-play voice, Chris Carino. And boy, was he a big help. That was my first Zoom interview, and I needed his help to get this on the air. But more importantly, as always, he gave thoughtful answers in a great spot. And thank you for that, Chris. So now it's time for you to ask me some Nets-related questions. And let's take a look at the Twitter responses. First up, I see loyal listener Clint E. from at Simply Amazing, who simply asked, who thought it was a good idea to start TLC at the four? Well, Clint E., I went over this at the top of the show, but I mean, the answer I guess is obvious. Management and the coaching staff are viewing him in a different light than most of us. I mean, TLC's gone from a two-way deal to 10-day deals to an NBA contract to a starter on a borderline playoff team. And each step, Nets had a chance to bid the Frenchman adieu, but instead, they chose not only to keep him around, but to elevate him. Now, to be fair, TLC has had some excellent shooting streaks this season, and like I said before, he does try on defense. But is he really an NBA starter? I certainly don't think so, especially at power forward. But what's that saying about this team? Desperation is the mother of invention. I know at least one fan who thinks that Mark set it up this way on purpose, because the Nets recent history has been littered with undersized power forwards who can't shoot straight. You know, Ronde Hollis Jefferson and Trevion Graham, remember them? I can't really say that's the case here because maybe Michael Beasley would have been given that spot had he not tested positive for COVID nineteen. You know, he's listed at six foot ten and is a walking bucket, though, you know, mostly from two point ranges. Well, whatever. Looks like we're stuck with TLC for at least the start of regular season play. But thanks again for the question, Clinty. Next, Biff Johnson from At The Progressive wants to know who has a legit chance to be on next season's roster. I hope you don't mind, Biff, because I'm not going player by player at this time. Suffice it to say that everyone on the Nets, with the exception of KD, Kyrie, and DeAndre Jordan, Everyone has to be considered question marks. Honestly, I don't know what marks has in store for this off season, or if he's taking orders from the owner, who's taking orders from the stars. So if you're really interested in my guesswork, I think these guys are the most likely to be wearing new uniforms next season. Spencer Dinwiddie, Jared Allen, Torian Prince, Zanin Musa, and Roryans Karutz. I just have a hunch that those guys in picks are going to be used in trades of some sort. For whom? I have no clue. I haven't really researched this yet, but I'll be looking at teams who are above the salary cap. I wrote a column a couple months ago on WFAN.com which speculated that Indiana would be ripe for blowing it up because, you know, they've got a ton of long-term commitments. They'll have to pay Victor Oladipo after next season. They're trapped in the land of the pretty good with not much hope of getting better. And the owner is notoriously cheap. Will they make deals? To rival in their conference? Sorry, I just don't know. Uh, Biff Johnson of the Progressive, thanks for the question. should also give a shout to Bishop of at Bish4684, who asked a similar question. Mr. Bishop specifically wanted me to get into Musa, who has yet to develop into anything beyond a pretty good G League player. Doesn't seem like he will be initially getting steady minutes in Orlando based on the scrimmages. Uh, I have to believe that Musa will be dangled in offseason trade talks. So, I don't know that the Nets would cut him if he isn't included. Loyal listener Corey Cantor of at CBC seven two seven weighs in next with a four parter, no less. Okay, Corey, in order, here we go. I took the scrimmages with gallons of salt. You asked me what the brightest spot was. To me, it was Karis LeVert. Though that shouldn't be a shocker. But you know, we'll see if it translates to the games that count. Uh, Does Vaughn have a shot at the full-time job? Well, technically, he has the full-time job. The interim tag has been reportedly lifted. Now, will he keep it? I put the chances at less than 5%. I continue to believe that the Nets always had more qualified people on their radar when Kenny was let go. As for the substitutes, like Chris Carino just said, you have to think Jamal Crawford is a guy they'd look at for, like, the 11th or 12th guy next season. Veteran very highly respected around the league. Has the one elite NBA skill and that he can get buckets. You know, We'll just have to see what he has left. But you know, I'd still put him in the lead among the replacements. And will the Nets ever get a power forward? Corey, it's whenever Kevin Durant steps on the court. He may have thrived as a three at his past stops, but in this program, I have to believe he'll be a stretch forward the team has been missing for so many years. Well, thanks again, Corey Cantor, for checking in. Moving on. KVN KSTO of at BK Runs NY wants to know what would have to go to the Spurs if the Nets wanted to poach Greg Popovich to coach. Well, as you surmised at BK Runs NY, draft picks are usually where negotiations begin for coaches under contract elsewhere. You know, that's got two second-round picks from Milwaukee after the Jason Kidd fiasco in 2014. Honestly, though, I really don't know Pop's situation in San Antonio and whether he has any outs in his deal. And he's been so loyal there that the organization might not want to poison how he wants to finish his career by commanding exorbitant compensation. If you listen to last week's episode, you know I'm very skeptical about Pop's prospects for Brooklyn. Next, we have this from Quarantine Tarantino from at FN Divorced. If the Nets go one and seven and the Wizards go three and five, it will force a play in. If the Nets lose out, they get their draft pick that they dealt in the Allen Crab salary dump, and they get to leave the bubble. Wouldn't this be the best thing for Brooklyn? So Quarantine Tarantino, great handle, by the way. You know, I'd be cool with that. I'd add Get out of town healthy. That would be a big part of the utopian scenario. However, there's something to be said about the Nets' young players getting playoff experience, even if the Bucks or Raptors wipe the floor with them in a first-round sweep. In the end, players play, coaches coach. I don't think you'll be seeing any tanking from them. Vaughn isn't going to pull a vert in fourth quarters to guarantee losses like I've seen from other franchises over the years. I guess what I'm saying, quarantine Tarantino, I'm rooting for an injury-free summer. That's it. In a similar vein, I got this from a previous City Game podcast special guest, Mr. Nets Daily himself. He writes, will anything that happens in the Orlando bubble have much effect on next season? You know, everything could be so different, you know, from the players to the coach to the schemes. Wow, thanks for the question, Bob. Uh, To answer? All I can tell you is that when players are on tape in competitive games, especially playoff games, NBA people will be watching. As an example, I can give you Joe Harris, who, as you know, will be a free agent after the season. I think we can agree that he had a disappointing playoff experience last year against the Sixers. Kept asking him and other people if he was hurt. I think his performance this postseason, assuming the Nets get there, I think it'll have a material impact on the bidding. I mean, I think a good showing gets him auto-poor level offers. And if he shrinks in the spotlight again, maybe teams won't view him as a starter on a playoff team. Now, don't get me wrong, he'll still get paid well, you know, because he's a super three-point shooter. But maybe he'll be in a range where the Nets have a shot to retain him. And I think you can go down the line with every key player. You know, they have opportunities to put their games on film or video or whatever, and that can have an effect on who the Nets keep around for next season. Now, if you're looking at this from a macro vision, you know, where there'll be any carryover or anything into next season, then no. What happens in Orlando will stay in Orlando. Mr. Staley, I give you the last word. Thank you and all the listeners who submitted questions. Got a good late run of them to make this a worthwhile segment. But all good things must come to an end, and that includes this podcast episode Thanks again so much to Nets Radio Play by Play announcer Chris Carino for his excellent spot today. Can't say often enough how wonderful the folks who make up the Nets media have been to me in this podcast. I couldn't do this without their support. But that also means, you know, because I'm not in the bubble or anywhere for that matter, what it means is this might be hard to do weekly. I'll have to play it by year whether I can get something out before the next round, you know, whether that's the play in or the first round of the playoffs. And I'll keep you posted on Twitter. But in any event, I'll leave you with this. Have a great time watching Nets basketball, folks. And thank you for listening to the City Game Podcast.
1: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds.